whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thanks, Emily. <clears throat> keep your Bibles open there. We'll, we will be looking at some other verses, but they'll all be on the screen, so you can keep your Bibles on Psalm 91. So, picture the scene. It's 1970, and the Cold War with Russia is, is not going well. A nuclear war is looking increasingly likely. It's time to start imagining the unimaginable. It's time to start planning for the worst. This is a genuine public information video. The most widespread danger from nuclear explosions is fallout. Fallout is dust that is sucked up from the ground by the explosion. Fallout can kill. Since it can be carried for great distances by the winds, it can eventually settle anywhere. So no place in the United Kingdom is safer than any other. The risk is as great in the countryside as in the towns. Nobody can tell where the safest place will be. So you are just as safe in your own home area as anywhere else. In fact, you are far better off at home because it is the place you know and where you are known. So, stay where you are. If you leave your home, your local authority may take it over for homeless families. And if you move, the authorities in the new place will not help you with food, accommodation, or other essentials. You are better off in your own home. Stay there. Terrified? I'm terrified. I'm scared of a nuclear war now. When, when I was about 11 or 12, the, I don't know, there must have been an anniversary or something, but there was a, a series, season of um, nuclear bomb-related movies and shows on telly. And I was terrified. I spent weeks. I started planning out. We had a cellar in our house. I started planning out what I was going to take down into the cellar and claim in my room and where I was going to take shelter, where I was going to take refuge taking refuge and shelter, that's what we're thinking about. Now, 
nu all-out nuclear war is probably a bit unlikely for us in Australia now, but we face more everyday but nonetheless equally distressing threats that cause us to seek shelter, seek refuge, disease, uh, unemployment and financial worries, broken relationships. And if we don't have enough worries of our own, then there's our friends to worry about, or our family, or our parents, or our children. So where do you go to seek shelter? What is your, like your refuge reflex? The, sh the video told us to stay at home. What's home for you? What's your, refu your place of refuge? Well, this Psalm 91 has got, got the answer for what our refuge should be. So verses 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. But if we're honest, every believer here today, every one of us who would describe ourselves as dwelling in God's shelter, resting in his shadow because we know we belong to Jesus, we'd all say that we've been through times of suffering, times of terror, which would lead us to, could lead us to say, well, my psalm, same, shame it's not true, harm has overtaken me on occasion, and I could tell you about a time disaster came very near. Well, this morning, we're going to see how this psalm really does tell the truth and give us hope for the shelter, the refuge, the salvation that God provides and how we can live in light of that. So let's find out how. There's an outline in your leaflet. It's very simple, um, just to help keep track of where we're up to. And our first section is, is looking at verses 1 to 8, which tells us about the safety the safety on offer to us. So the psalmist is up front from the beginning. Um, there's no doubt what he's saying. He's saying God is our security. Alex, I'll just um, do the slides for you. You keep giving your funny looks to tell you where we're up to. Okay, so... Have a look at um, verses 1 and 2. Because um, it's a psalm, we, we pay special attention to patterns of words. Who likes poetry in English at school? I didn't. I think it's because we did like endless war poems and uh, it's all like really miserable. But it's a psalm, so it's like a song or a poem, so we'll pay more attention to the pattern of the words. Um, so verses 1 and 2, we've got two sets of four naming words, nouns. Four names for God. Um, we've got uh, the Most High, the Almighty, the Lord, and my God. And we've got four sort of safe and secure nouns. Shelter, shadow, refuge, fortress. So where can these security words, these safe and secure words, shelter, shadow, refuge, fortress, they can be found? Dwelling with God, resting in his shadow, trusting in him. Like, have you ever been um, away from home, like on holiday or with work or something, and you get sick or something bad happens? All you want to do is go home, isn't it? 
All you want to do is be safe in your own refuge. And these verses are talking about someone who makes God their refuge reflex. Someone who makes God the one they turn to for security, for that feeling of being home. So it's worth asking yourself, what's your refuge reflex? Um, When you're feeling threatened, or you're feeling up against it, or life's getting hard, where do you tend to take refuge? Uh, For some, it's a good book. Um, For others, it's a good TV show. For others, it's a romantic relationship. Um, For me, as a young man, it was going out with my mates, so long as I'd had my quota of partying with them, I felt good. But it was only ever temporary. See, we tend, humans uniquely tend to try and find self-preservation in things that causes more harm. Actually, not quite uniquely. There was an experiment done with rats, okay? And if you you give rats as much food as they want, uh, if you give them Um, as much uh, sugar as they want, they'll eat just enough to have the energy they need to get by. If you give them as much fat as they want, they'll eat just enough to have enough to get by. If you give them cheesecake, fat and sugar together, they will eat themselves to death. Just keep eating and eating and eating. And that's what we tend to do as humans. We try and find preservation in things that cause us more harm and overdo it. And there are lots of good things we can enjoy in life. We're supposed to enjoy good things, good food, good company, things that help us relax and bring us joy. And that's good. But the problem comes when we try to find refuge in them, when we try to live in them. Because they can't bear that weight. They never quite measure up. They can never make us feel truly secure. God promises... If you dwell in him, trust him, love him, call on him, you will be secure. What follows is like a really comprehensive collection of anything you might want to take, take refuge from in this psalm. And this psalm promises that those who dwell in God's shelter will not fear things that are altogether more sinister than rain. So verse 3, uh, the fowler's snare. So that's um, a net used to catch birds. But in, in the Bible, it's often just associated with death. Verse 3, deadly pestilence. You know, chatting over morning doesn't sound good, does it? Chatting over morning, say, how are you doing? Yeah, oh, okay, I've got, I've got a deadly pestilence, though, so I'm not too good. Then verse 4, we, uh, then we get, sorry, four naming words, nouns, of things that threaten us, things that those who dwell in the shelter of God will not fear. So verse 5, there's the terror, terror of the night. There's an arrow that flies by day, pestilence that stalks in the darkness, plague at midday. So that endless downward spiral of thought that keeps you awake at night and drains you. Those threats to your livelihood, that suffering you go through that's so deep that it makes you question everything, the promise is you will not fear it. 
And notice these things alternate by day and by night. So verse, in verse 5, there's the terror of the night, then the arrow that flies by day. Pestilence that stalks in the darkness, plague at midday. All day, all night, you will not fear. And then later in verse 13, another four nouns of things that might threaten you. You will, you will tread on the lion and, on, and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Um, verse 13 is most likely referring to spiritual threats. Um, sorry. Uh, spiritual threats. Um, and reminded of 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And in Luke 10, I've, Jesus says to his disciples, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So in other words, all the threats, all the danger, all the horror, all the terror, all the evil and suffering which frustrate and terrify and embitter the rest of the world, you will not fear. Taking your refuge in God covers it all. God covers it all. Um, in our last home, we had, um, there was a stain on the carpet where one of our children had vomited. Okay, didn't make it to the bathroom. There's a stain on the, on the carpet. So I thought, oh, I'll just try with the insurance company, see if it covers it. And she said, oh, well, let me just have a look through your policy. Oh, well, there is, there is covered a sudden and unexpected expulsion of liquid. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, well, that, that's what happened. That's what, yes, but that's only if it comes from a machine, so a washing machine or something like that. So unfortunately, we weren't covered. The policy didn't cover as much as we hoped, but resting in God covers everything. That's the, the gist of all those um, terrible things in there. Everything is covered. You will not fear. So why not? Why won't you fear? Because you know that ultimately, God has your back. God loves you and will not let you come to eternal harm. So verse 4 he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Uh, that might, might remind you of these words from Isaiah. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, simple trust in God is the strong defense to whatever life might throw at you. Simple trusting in God is the strong defense to whatever life might throw at you. You will not fear because you have great reason to endure and persevere. These terrible things we take refuge from can't destroy us eternally. They can't separate us from God. So that worry that feels like it's consuming you will not, in reality, consume you. The illness that sickens you so much will not drag you from under God's wings. 
those threats in life that feel like they'll pierce your soul and destroy you will not penetrate God's faithfulness. So when we go through hard times or we feel spiritually oppressed, those trusting in God can be sustained knowing that they are under God's protection through those hard times. Through these hard times, we can enjoy God's supervision. That's our next heading, God's supervision. See, it'd be very easy to read this psalm and think, well, okay, so if I trust in God, I'll never suffer. Is that right? That's what it says, right? I mean, look at verses 9 and 10. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Oh, that sounds all right, doesn't it? No harm, no disaster. I'll buy that inspirational poster from Kurong. No, but this psalm tells us how God protects us in our suffering, not how he protects us from any suffering. He protects us in our suffering, not from any suffering. So why do I say that? Well, first, if you have a look within the psalm itself, first one promises rest. Well, rest from what? And verse 3, God will save you from the fowler's snare. So it doesn't say you will never experience the fowler's snare. You will save you from it. Verse 4, his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Well, shield from what? If nothing bad's ever going to happen. And verse 5, you will not fear, suggesting there is bad stuff going on which you might reasonably otherwise fear. So that's in the psalm itself. Then there's the context of the book of Psalms, or the psalms around it. So Psalms 90 to 92, they begin book four of the psalms. And this chunk of the psalms was gathered together as like a carefully sequenced playlist or mixtape, for those of you a bit older, um, made for God's people in exile. So suffering people. But people who've been humiliated, you know, a foreign power, idol-worshipping powers, taken over their promised land, destroyed everything. And that's who these psalms are written for whilst they're in exile. They know their people were promised great blessings long ago by God. They know they're not experiencing the good life now. Now they're experiencing terror, arrows, disease, pestilence. And they know why. They know it's because they're chosen to live outside of the shelter of God. And in Psalm 90, we're, we're told to number our days. We're to be conscious of our vulnerable, temporary nature. And now Psalm 91, then, is to give comfort to those turning to God's shelter, that their suffering is not the end of the story. Our suffering is not the end of the story. God will ultimately rescue So there's the psalm itself tells us to expect suffering, the context of the psalms around us. And thirdly, if we look at the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Bible, you just can't come away with the idea that those trusting in God will never suffer. So look at what Jesus promised for those who follow him. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. 
And here's a bit you don't often see on memes on Facebook. Everyone will hate you because of me. We're promised persecution if we follow Jesus. When we're saved, we are a new creation. Uh, There's a genuine sense in which our resurrection has already begun. But we still live in a broken, sinful world, in broken, sinful bodies. And it's naive to assume that we can be free of the consequences of sin completely in this life. So please hear me. Yes, God can heal miraculously. And Jesus showed us that. Yes, God is pleased to intervene and directly end his servant's adversity. Sometimes. And if you look at Psalm 90 later on, you'll see it's absolutely right to come to God in prayer and ask him to end our suffering. But we should never presume to demand that God ends our suffering. Because if our faith is dependent on God stopping anything bad happen to us in this life before we die or Jesus returns, then our faith will die. Now, of course, someone else has already badly misinterpreted this psalm, haven't they? It might have seemed familiar to you. Just after Jesus was baptized, we're told the Holy Spirit sent him out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. And unlike unfaithful Israel, Jesus, the perfect Israelite, he remained faithful to God all through that temptation. But at one point, Satan quotes this very Psalm 91 at Jesus. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not, it is also written, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. I mean, Satan's pretty smart here, isn't he? If, if ever there was anyone we could say for sure rested in God's shelter, trusted in God perfectly, it's Jesus. So Jesus could expect God the Father would indeed rescue him from such a fall that Satan proposes. But Jesus knew this psalm wasn't about whether God can be tested, like a science lab rat, to see if he will keep his promises in exactly the way that we demand. Now, Jesus knew that this psalm is telling us that God is trustworthy and powerful to protect us in and through any circumstance, even circumstances which seem hopeless from our perspective. So how should we think about the the very real fact that bad things happen to good people? That Christians of great faith, the kind of faith we would aspire to, go through seemingly pointless terror and pestilence? Well, there's a few examples in the Bible we can draw on. We can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them from Daniel? They're about to be thrown into a blazing furnace. And this is the way they think about it. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. All these examples that Paul gives in Romans 8. And we know that in all all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And let's look again at that promise of Jesus for his followers. And this time we'll look at the whole quote. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. So how can this be true? How can we be put to death, but not a hair perishing? Well, it's because of the servant. Our third heading, the servant, looking at verses 14 to 16. So notice in verse 14, it is now God's own voice we hear about a third person. So it's God speaking about a third person, a he. And look at all the things God promises that he will do for this person. Because he loves me, it was verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life i will satisfy him and show him my salvation and he is of course talking about jesus and jesus gives us a really clear picture of what dwelling in the shelter of the most high looks like in three things that he does three things jesus does that shows us what sheltering in the most high looks like So first, verse 14, he loves God. Everything about Jesus is about loving and honoring God, seeking to bring him glory. He loves God. And secondly, verse 14 again, he acknowledges God's name. Uh, in In John 17, Jesus says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word now they know that everything you have given me comes from you so even jesus god the son acknowledges how great god the father is so he loves god he acknowledges god's name and thirdly he calls on god he prays and god answers he asks god for things and if you look at the lord's prayer um, look at it later on today. And do you know what it is? It's all requests. It's all asking for things. Asking God to do what only God can do. See, Jesus experienced the terror of the night. He suffered not arrows, but nails. Jesus was killed near midday in a moment so dark that it turned day to night. 
but God rescued him from death. Jesus called on him and he answered, delivering him from the grave and honoring him with the highest place in heaven and earth. Well, you might say that's all right for Jesus, but what about us? Well, because this is true for Jesus, it's true for those trusting in him. The way to dwell in the shelter of the Most High is to trust and believe in Jesus. The way to shelter in the shadow of the Most High is to trust and believe in Jesus. To save Jesus with all your heart in all circumstances, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And when we do that, we enjoy the salvation Jesus enjoyed. We, we need not fear even the death we deserve because of our rebellion against God. The Apostle Paul put it like this. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is our hope. We need not fear snakes, pestilence, terror or anything because none of it None of it will stop us having a seat at God's family table with Jesus. What if this isn't you? What if God is not your refuge today? Well, you wouldn't be the first. Even God's chosen people repeatedly did their best to get out from under God's shadow and then shook their fist at him and complained when they went through hard times. But when Jesus got to Jerusalem, God's, the capital of God's people, he said this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. This psalm of refuge has the same message for all of us. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High by trusting in his son, Jesus. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High by trusting in his son, Jesus. And the promise is, verse 4, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Verse 5, 